Glory to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. While we have liturgically finished and offered back the Feast of Christmas, we still continue in the glow of Christmas. The celebration continues in myriad ways. Today, we commemorate and celebrate the Feast of the Circumcision of Christ. That's an obvious continuation of Christmas. Eight days after his birth, as was the law, a Jewish child, male, was circumcised. And so our Lord on the eighth day was circumcised and given the name Jesus. The Feast of Christmas is with the Feast of the Circumcision and the Feast of Theophany and then the Feast of the Entrance of our Lord into the Temple are all feasts of light, celebrating the incarnation of our Lord, the light shining in the darkness of the bleak midwinter. This feast of Christmas itself was celebrated in the Eastern Church, or began to actually be celebrated in the Eastern Church around the time of St. Basil. And we have a wonderful homily from St. Basil, whom we also commemorate today, on the birth of Christ, wherein he names this great celebration, the birth of Christ, he calls it the great theophany of Christ. Because historically, in the eastern part of the Roman Empire, the church celebrated Theophany and Christmas and all of it together. Theophany was the greater feast. But as feasts develop and over time, especially here in the West, what do we associate with more but Christmas? But all of these feasts are feasts of light. They are a celebration of the coming of our Lord in the flesh And today, eight days after his birth, as the scriptures tell us, there was the circumcision of the child Jesus, his name given by the angels to his parents, that he shall be called Jesus. Now, it is significant that he is named Jesus. What is the significance of this name? What is Jesus Greek for? Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus is Joshua. His name, we're so used to using the Greek form of Jesus, but his name given by the angels for ordained by God was Joshua. St. Basil in that homily that I just referenced about the birth of Christ waxes very poetic about names because names are imposed upon a person because they indicate the nature of the person. This is why names change so often in Scripture. It's part of the reason why we change names in the church. Baptism, or uh, especially if you were born and baptized in the church, if you're ordained, very often you are given a different name. Or if you're tonsured into monasticism, you are given a new name. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all given new names. It distinguishes them. Or if not given a new name, it indicates who they are. Jesus, Joshua, what does this name mean? 
What does Joshua mean? The salvation of the people. God saves. Well, why not call Jesus Emmanuel, right? Because we have another name right there in the text that's given to us. God with us. That would be a nice name. It's rhetorical. (laughs) Sometimes it's not, sometimes it is. But the point being, Joshua echoes, right? Because there is the Joshua in Scripture. The one who takes up the mantle of Moses. The one who brings Israel to the Jewish people. For the whole book, we have the book of Exodus and then we have the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is the story of Joshua leading the people of Israel into the promised land. It is the climax of the Exodus story. This is where Joshua, the salvation of the people, leads God's people through victory after victory to take the land that God had promised. At the very beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua is told by God, Moses, my servant is dead, and now you are to take on what I promised to Moses, that you will go into the promised land, and I will be with you, and I will give you the land that had been promised to Abraham, to the forefathers Isaac and Jacob. And Joshua takes on this mantle and he goes to the people and he tells them that now we are to go and continue and complete what had been promised to our forefathers and what Moses had been telling us as we went through those 40 years in the desert. And the book of Joshua repeats over and over again, just like Exodus, Deuteronomy, like all the Pentateuch, the focus upon the law. As soon as Joshua's Joshua comes and tells the people, we are going to go into the promised land, but we have to do something. We have to obey the law, not going to the left or to the right, but in obedience to what God has given us through Moses. That God throughout promises to be with the people of Israel. In the 10th chapter of Joshua There's kind of a summary of the story of Joshua. Joshua captured all of the kings of the land, one at a time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. The war that God has against those who are in the land to give to his people showed that God was with them as they obeyed God God was with them and fought for them. And all of this interwoven into this war, this taking back of the land promised, was that this was a promise of rest. That God was giving this land for the people to rest. Which I'm sure was very good news because they had been wandering for a very long time. Now we can begin to see why Jesus was named Jesus, why he was named Joshua, because Christ is the leader who takes after the Exodus and brings us through that spiritual warfare into the land of rest.
Christ the warrior. We don't often think of this feast of Christmas or of the circumcision of our Lord as times or little battles in the great war. Theophany, we get that because that is a great battle cry in Theophany. But we have in the circumcision of Christ one of the battles where Christ was victorious. We celebrate Christ's redemption of us in the shedding of his own blood. Just as Joshua led Israel in the conquest of Israel, the promised land, with God with them, God fighting for them, Christ comes and he fights and leads us to the promised land, to the rest that is promised to us. Christ came in the fulfillment of the law, as he tells us in the Sermon on the Mount. So circumcision is what uh, Christ had to submit himself to, because he came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. St. Amphilochios, who was a great friend of St. Basil's, whom St. Basil wrote many letters to, he likened circumcision As when a painter, if you're going to go and paint a great painting, you don't just get out the paint and start going. You sketch, right? You draw out what it is that you're going to paint. So St. Amphilochios likened circumcision as when a painter sketches out with pencil or charcoal just a little bit before coming with the paint, which fulfills, which brings the fullness of the painting. Christ comes and fulfills the physical circumcision that the law required so as to show us the spiritual meaning, the putting off of the flesh so as to receive the spirit. This is, a, of course, why Paul and also the rest of the church after Paul likened baptism to circumcision. It was a sign of the covenant given to Abraham. And it was fulfilled in obedience to the law by all Jewish males born. And so they are entered into the covenant of Israel. So we enter into the covenant with Christ through baptism. This warrior God who comes into the flesh, St. Basil tells us about. This is from the homily on the birth of Christ. God is in flesh that he may kill the death that lurks therein. For as the harm caused by poisonous drugs can be overcome by antidotes when they're assimilated by the body. And as the darkness residing in a house is dissolved by the introduction of light. So too the death that dominates in human nature is obliterated by the presence of divinity. As ice in water at night is stronger than the water, the ice doesn't melt when it's dark outside, as we have been familiar with the past two weeks in the shade and the hollers around here. So the warming sun melts the ice by its ray. So too death rules until the advent of Christ. But when the saving grace of God appears and the sun of righteousness rises, death is swallowed up in victory, unable to bear the visitation of true life. Oh, the depth of the goodness of God and his love for humanity. St. Basil goes on later in the homily. Realize that God is in flesh 
for this reason, because the flesh that was cursed needed to be sanctified, the flesh that was weakened needed to be strengthened, the flesh that was alienated from God needed to be brought into affinity with him, the flesh that had fallen in paradise needed to be led back into heaven. Jesus, the captain of our salvation, the forerunner who has gone on before us behind the veil, took on our flesh. He fulfilled not only taking on our flesh, but fulfilled the law and gave us even greater than the law by God coming into this flesh, into our nature, to raise it up, to fulfill it, to bring it into the promised land, to provide real spiritual rest. So how do we respond to this great condescension? God come in the flesh, God who as an eight-day, an eight-day-year-old little boy who is circumcised in the flesh to fulfill all things. How do we respond to this God? Well, let's go back to the book of Joshua. And this is what God tells Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God tells us what our response should be. Be strong and very courageous because God is with us. Meditate upon his law day and night, being careful to put it into practice, to obey it. Here's the January 1st hook as well, right? We all make promises or we at least used to and maybe put it away. But this is a nice time to renew a commitment to the reading of Scripture, to daily meditation on the law, upon not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament, so that we are encouraged knowing that God is with us, to be strong and courageous in the life that God has given to us in His Son, who is circumcised for our salvation, whom, as St. Basil tells us, took on the flesh so that he can kill the death that lurks in our bodies. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.